living and surviving are two different things. Today's special guest is Dynasty Taylor, social worker and founder of United Youth Association. Please give a warm welcome to Dynasty. Dear Life Warriors, it's me, Shar, your favorite corporate life coach. And today I have another amazing guest for you, Dynasty Taylor. She is currently social worker as well as the founder for her Dynasty United Youth Association. We're going to learn all about that. But most importantly, she just did receive the Young, Gifted, and Black Entrepreneurial Awards. Yay! And we're going to hear all about her journey because she looks very, very young. So she's well accomplished. We're going to talk all about that. But Dynasty, welcome to the show. Thank you, Char, for having me. I'm so excited. This is going to be amazing. And thank you for having me. This is exciting. So I had the pleasure. I was virtually hosting the um, YGB Awards. And last that was last week, right? Yeah. And you did get your award. How does that feel? How are you feeling? Tell us what did you get the award for? Let let the audience know. I think the award was for civic leadership and engagement. And so I was really excited. Um, I felt that just the energy that was in the room, it was so much Black excellence for one. Um, I'm from L.A., so even to be honored in New York, York. miles away, that's like, I don't know how to feel. It's just like, wow, like your work can make impact across the world. And I didn't, that's, that's what that event showed me is that even though I'm in LA, people can still show you love and show you gratitude from across the world. And so I'm just thankful and blessed. And, you know, I was just a pleasure to be there with everyone. Yeah, no, that's exciting. And, and like you said, you know, you're in LA, so you started your career as a social worker, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how did you tell me a little bit about your journey to that and how did you pivot that into your current, your founders, the, your foundation that you have for youths? Tell me a little bit about that journey. Okay, that's a great question. So I attended USC back in 2013 when I was obtaining my master's in social work. Mm-hmm. And so I was already at a point, a pivotal point in my life when I was upset with the public uh, education system. And how black and brown children were always getting the short end of the stick. Always. And so I don't think that when I actually got my master's, attending my master's program, I was just noticing like, okay, I'm going to spend $44,000 per year just for two years, Char. So that's $88,000. And when I basically graduate, the salary that they're going to start me off at as a, a social worker is going to be less than that. So yeah. I asked them. What? I said, okay, because my first starting off salary when I had uh, graduated from USC, my first job was at Kip Philosophers Academy in South Central. Mm-hmm. And so they started me off at like 56000 And so you can basically receive that same type of salary with a bachelor's degree if you work yourself up the corporate ladder. So it just didn't scale right, you know, just having to spend all this money on education, especially black and brown students and even attending, you know, USC that we were like Dalmatians, like, you know, in that school, because it's not so many of us. But it just seemed like we were already behind. But the financial literacy we lacked, which could have made us make better informed decisions when it comes to like making college decisions and choosing and majors and things like that. 
So I had launched the program six months into my master's program at USC. And that's when I started Dynasties United Youth Association. And so it was still a lot because I was working two jobs. I was attending school and then I was also founding this organization. So I submitted a proposal to the Los Angeles Public Library and told them about the programs and the services that we that I wanted to offer to the community. But prior to that, I was always a student. So yeah. therefore, I was able to do research in the community and conduct a needs assessment to kind of identify what the needs were in the community, which propelled me to then go back to the library and say, hey, when I'm in the library, this is what I'm noticing. This is how I can help. And so I wrote a proposal. They allowed me to start my program wow. in the, the libraries. And the first two months, I only had two students, so it was real slow. And then <laughs> six months later, it just grew. And I went from one library to two libraries, three libraries, but I was still attending. I was still uh, graduated from USC during this time. But I still had to go look for a job after that. And then I was working at KIPP as a counselor. And then I ended up getting hired at DaVinci Rise as a counselor. And so last year in July, I decided to take that jump and basically say, OK, I've been working as a school counselor for a few years now. Now it's time to resign and go full with Duya. So Duya was about eight years old, at seven years old at that time. And then I was able to transition out of corporate that way. So I worked the entire time, never got paid from Duya. I was never on payroll, still not on payroll. Hopefully it will be this year speaking into existence. But yes, it was a journey. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And um, I mean, what are some of the, the things that you've learned just even from being an entrepreneur? Because that was all new. Mm-hmm. Like, what were some of the obstacles that you faced that you're like, you know what, if, if anyone's going to attempt this journey, what would you want them to know? I would say the biggest thing is like taking out time to know yourself. And finding a passion that that you resonate with. A lot of us go to school or join careers that we're not passionate about based on our culture, based on our past or what our parents would want us to do. My parents was absent from my life. My father was incarcerated for 26 years. Mm -hmm. So he left, you know, right when I was kind of like born. And he was 16 years old when he was sentenced to 28 years to life. Uh My mom was 15. So I had two teenage parents that were involved in a gang life. I grew up in a community that was impoverished and I was a part of like the hood type of thing. So my mindset was in poverty for years before Mm -hmm. I was able to think about a business. I didn't even know that I can have a business, you know. So I think through the things that I had went through as a struggle with myself, just trying to get out that mindset, going through the juvenile hall, going through these different experiences, you know, dealing with different, you know, guys in the community, just doing things. I think juvenile delinquency and just growing up, I think I had to really get myself together first. And through all the pain that I experienced, it allowed me to get into social work, get into a field of helping others. And so some of the trials and tribulations that I faced was just this whole philosophy around the crab in the bucket syndrome, you're trying to, you're trying to climb up and you got family that's holding on. You got friends that's holding on. You got your mindset, the things you tell yourself, the negative things you tell yourself holding on. You don't really have any role models that can show you what you're able to do. And so I had to kind of like climb out of something that I didn't even know how to do with no guidance. So, you know, that was the biggest obstacle was getting over myself. Wow. Listen, you know what you said that was so powerful? You said your mindset was in poverty. Mm -hmm. That's such a powerful terminology because as you, as you said it, I realized that a lot of us, because I teach this stuff, right? It's all about 
mind cleanse, detoxing the mind, becoming self-aware. But when we talk about generational curses and, you know, like, like right now, my big thing I'm, I'm telling and speaking to a lot of people about, you know, don't just pray for the now. You also have to pray for the sins of your ancestors, your mom, your dad, whoever, because you don't know what they probably have done in their life that might have you in bondage because it's real. And when you said like your mindset was in poverty, because that's all you've seen and known, you didn't realize, which was my story as well. Like there's actually more Mm -hmm. and it's okay for me to want it. And it's okay for me to go out there and get it. Mm -hmm. So what did your process look like when you started to really cleanse through, okay, becoming self-aware because that's a lot to climb out of, you know, sorry to hear about your dad. And, you know, just even I had my daughter young as well. Mm-hmm. I was 19 when I was pregnant with my first daughter and I had her at 20. And I know what that life journey could be, especially for, from the mother's end where I'm still young. I'm still partying. I'm still doing all of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm just, I've just turned 20. So my poor daughter probably didn't see me as much. So going through that process of cleansing my mind and my soul was a very long process. And what did that look like for you? And I had to like dive into a lot of things. I mean, I just had to flood my system with all things, whether it was TDJs, all things positive, you know, talking to myself, getting my thoughts out, looking at them, wiping them. If they were negative, like really removing it from my whole conscious being, Mm -hmm. it was a work. So thank God you discovered it young that you had to become (laughs) self-aware. I did did this five years ago, six, five years. Yeah. Six or five years ago. But what did that look like for you? And how did you get through that? I think I got tired of getting in trouble. (laughs) trouble. That's what, that's what scared me was like, wait, the stuff I'm doing, I'm gonna go to jail. (laughs) Okay. So I was like, okay, I got to do better. And so I think it was a pivotal time in my life when I had to really surrender myself to God. I was about 19 years old and I didn't really know who to go to at this time. My father was still providing me wisdom from prison. My mom, even though I don't have what I think I should have had from her, I know that she gave me all that she could have. But I couldn't we we and her didn't have the best relationship that I can really like grow from in that situation. Yeah. So with that being said, I had to surrender myself to God and I had to really let go of everybody. And that's when I noticed how precious my relationship with God was so important because Mm -hmm. I had let down God so many times, Mm -hmm. so many times. I kept just like, you know, I didn't know if it was real. I really didn't understand how it worked. I didn't understand a relationship that wasn't present and, and actually physical and accessible. And so when I got to a point where I was just like, well, what do I do? Where do I go? I had to surrender myself in that way. And when I surrendered myself, it was scary because it's like God took a lot of people away. I was lonely, you know, and that was scary. Isolation. When yes. isolation, he did that to me too. Yeah. I didn't understand it. I was like, Right, right. And I was just like, okay, God, okay, you must be a a jealous guy because I can't even be around anybody (laughs) during this process. But it was crazy because when he moved people out of my way, he even moved family members, my parents, like everybody had to go. 
and I pray for it, but that's not what I pray for. I didn't pray for people to go. I do oh. help me. <laughs> like, that's the thing. I, t- I tell people, be careful what you pray for. Cause the, the one yeah. thing you don't know is how he's going to deliver. Mm-hmm. And you be shocked because you, you expecting delivery to come this way yeah. and God be like, and then yeah. when he removes some folks, you're like, but wait, wait, mm-hmm. what does this mean for me? Like, yeah. Isn't yeah. it a fun experience though? Like, I feel like if everyone could go through that, it's like the best experience I think I've ever had in my life when I did what you did, like you said, surrender yourself to God. Yeah. And then he, I started to watch him move in my mm-hmm. life in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But one of the big things I remember was that isolation where I was mm-hmm. like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> isolation with revelation. Oh, yes. Yeah. Cause he started to reveal things of like, this yes. is why this person can't be around. Like you wish them the best, but you can't go there. And if you're trying to go here with me, that has to go. And then every time I was hard headed to think I can do both or or be in both lanes or be one foot in the street and one foot in school. He reminded me every time that you got to it's either you're going to pick a side or you're going to be still bouncing back and forth. And so for me, I was 19, 20 and I had a mindset that was so far that it scared me. So at 19, I would say it wasn't fun. I I didn't like to be alone. You know, all my friends was partying and traveling and, you know, but it was like, he wanted me focused. So the other thing that I had to do was to learn how to like myself. You know, when you come in, coming up in the neighborhood especially high school, everything is trying to do what everybody else trying to do. I went through that phase. I know how it is. Of like, why nobody doesn't like me? Why I don't fit in? Like, God, whatever aura you giving me, it doesn't really mix with people. Like I go around people, the conversations I don't want to talk about, the things they want to do, I don't really want to do. You know, I had to let go of, you know, the type of people that I was dating. Like I could, you know, the type of people I was attracting myself to, the type of people I was dating was the same people that I was trying to get from yeah. or be put in or was a reflection of my father. And so it was just everything. I had to clean house with everything, the food that I ate, the friends that I had around. And even like uh, the events that I went to, like if I went to any, I wouldn't, I don't go to any parties or circles or gatherings that do not fit with my, with my timing is right now. Yes. And people would make me feel different about it and say, well, Donna, so you came from the hood. Like, you know, you act like you don't come from here. And it's like, no, it's just more things from here. And you have to get out of that mindset. So because you wouldn't say that if you were out of that mindset. And I had to evolve. I had to change. And I think change scared family members, change scared a lot of different people from me. And it also brought in a lot of envy. So also through my process, I had to kind of move in silence because yeah, I, I, I couldn't let everybody reveal what, what I was blessed with, you know, because I didn't even know what I was blessed with, but it right. was dangerous to people who were still in that mindset. So I had to protect that and move in silence, like dumb myself down at times when people I go out to dinner with people that I know. And if I know if nobody's happy in that moment or talking about things, I'm just not going to just bring up what I have going on, you know, to create my own envy or to create a, a certain yeah. type of energy that's not accepted so i had difficulties when you're transitioning out the hood it's just the acceptance like you have to understand that 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 lifestyle and that mindset that you were in that was more incarcerated those folks are still there and so they're tugging at you and it's your past so my past is always in my presence because i'm living in la i'm still in la i'm helping the youth in la but it's still like a lot of people don't understand like my purpose my message right Some people are like you know you're too young. Like, how did this happen? But I'm like, y'all got to ask God because it ain't like I just woke up like this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's a lot. I, I mentally, it, it, 
living in poverty, it, it was a lot. It was, it sounds like a lot, but whoa. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. listen, I love it. I love everything about it. What is your like one thing that you would say to someone now? What advice would you give to someone now who's going through that whole living in poverty syndrome that you experienced? Like, what would you tell them? I would tell them that it's very important to find a source of light in the most darkest places and to not look at their environment and think that's the only place they have to be. They can still be there for their families, communities and the people around them, but they need to seek things beyond their existence. I think that's important is like always educating yourself about things that's outside of these neighborhoods. Like, you know, you can still hang out with these folks, but try to go to dinner with different people. Try to go to environments with different folks. Try a coffee shop. Try to do things that's outside of your comfort zone to kind of see the the other versions of yourself that's also beautiful. And also just not listen to what everybody has to say because everybody has their own experiences and the way somebody else came up or the way that they prosper life will be different for you and and just dare to be different different. That's what I would say. Yeah, definitely. Dare dare to be different. My life warriors. You heard that. So really quickly. So is your dad still in your life? My dad has been released from prison five years ago. So he's been out for five years. Um, So we are still working out a friendship and like figuring out what the relationship is like. He's a great person. He's a great man. He's a change man. Um, We still getting, we're still, I, I don't know my parents we're 15 years, 16 years apart. So it's like brother and sister. So we still have times when we like, we still trying to get to know each other. Each other. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's tough. Like I just noticed that what having my dad in my life, when he came, he came at a good time in my life. Yeah. And I really just understood that's why it's important for black girls to have a father in their life. You know what I mean? Yeah. That presence I was able to feel at 26 years old because I'm 31 now. And so with him being able to be out at this pivotal time of my life, life yeah. um, I'm, I'm thankful, but he you must know, be proud. Is he proud? Yeah. Yeah, he, he's proud. He's proud. He, sometimes he don't know what to say. Him and my mom, they just like, when, they, when people ask, they be like, I don't know. Like, I'm still trying to figure her out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so what is, I have a soft spot for dads. I just, I just, you know, my dad passed away before I was born. So it's always like, I, I always want to hear that the fathers are, are still there and they're present. And then, you know, as a daughter, you're, you're still giving him an opportunity to be a dad. Because sometimes, you know, daughters make decisions not realizing you don't get to choose your parents again. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Who is Dynasty now as a business owner? Like, who are you? How would you describe yourself now? I would say that I'm a social worker and I'm a youth advocate that happens to be an entrepreneur. I'm a person that is, you know, open to change. I'm a person that's open to receive I'm a person that's all about my business. I know that for sure. I'm about my business. (laughs) I am known for that. Dynasty is about her business, not about the money, but about my business. Things have to line up. And I'm all about just making sure that I'm that representation of Black excellence because that's that's what I feel like that's my obligation to be. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, that is who I am now. And I'm a woman, you know, woman of God. Woman of God, exactly. <laughs> because that's who my business partner is, God. Tell us a little bit about the organization. How can we get in touch with you? Who should get in touch with you? 
So I have a number of things going on. So we're a community-based nonprofit organization that operates all throughout Los Angeles County. And so we provide hybrid services, both in person and online. We serve youth that are ages 5 to 18, and our mission is to basically provide quality programs that promote culture, uh, competence, and character development. Mm-hmm. We have people that can come from different walks of life. We also we always are looking for board members, people who want to focus on advocacy efforts and advise the board on how to make informed decisions when it comes to these uh, governed entities. We also are looking for committee members who want to join the board to support some of the projects and initiatives that we're putting forward. We also are always looking for interns in terms of like tutors, as well as uh, counselors who are getting their social work degrees and and we're always looking for people in public policy work. So I'm a, the vice president of the Southeast Neighborhood Council, and I'm also commissioner, public social service commissioner for Holly Mitchell for District 2. So mm-hmm. we're always looking for people who are advocating on the behalf of youth, who are advocating on the behalf of equity. And we provide youth with free tutoring, homework assistance, job readiness, college and career, mental health counseling. And we, op- we have a headquarters office in Inglewood. And we operate Monday through Friday from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. So if anybody has youth that is in need of youth services, in need of direction and trying to find pathways that could help them pivot and find passion that can like align with helping their community. I think that's important. That's what we're here to do. Nice. I love it. I love all of it. Congratulations on all your endeavors, your success, Thank you. um, your, your award, your young gifted and black entrepreneurial award that you just received. And my life is I think I'm blessed from this conversation. I just love talking to powerful, successful young women who are, who came from, you know, I'm from Brownsville, Brooklyn. So mm. I get it. It's like you made it, you feel like I've made it out. And mm-hmm. then you kind of went back to help some other people make it out. Yes. And, and that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. You should absolutely be proud of yourself. And I'll drop all her information below. Do look her up, especially if you're in Inglewood, that's where your headquarter um, and you have a, a youth or a young child, bring them to Dynasties Foundation. This is amazing. Is there anything you would like to leave our audience with? No, I think it's just a a blessing to be here. I just appreciate what your platform is doing because I feel like we're both warriors. And um, that is what the platform is all about. And your motto, I noticed, is yes, we can. So me being here just continues to motivate me and inspires me to keep doing what I'm doing. Yes. 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 (laughs) Thank you, Dynasty, for being here, for joining me, for sharing your story with my life warriors and my life warriors. As usual, do know that there is a coach out here that loves you. 